Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. It is 11.30 a.m. on the dot on a Monday. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing? You guys survived last week, all those makeup games? It was a busy week. It was, man. <laughs> I, I had, I said it for me, it was, it was six games in six days. I'm, but, you, you were just as busy, I guess. I guess. Um, not, not quite as busy as you. I think the travel was a little bit more mm-hmm. for me, but yeah, not as bad. Well, um, well, we we made through it all, through it all in a, in one piece, and we're here now to, I guess, kind of play catch up from everything that happened last week and just try to make sense of it all. And once you know, guys, we have a whopping two teams left <laughs> in the UIL basketball playoffs. Are the the herd thinned out pretty pretty quickly? We actually had only one team on the boys' side to get to the third round, and we'll talk about them later on. But um, our two teams left standing are, in fact, um, headed to the regional finals on the girls' side. Um, so that's kind of where we're going to lead off the podcast. And then later on, we'll talk about some of the teams that put up spirited efforts and made a, they stuck around for a little bit in the postseason. Um, nevertheless, though, let's start because obviously the order of today is to talk Plano East and Frisco Liberty girls, both of whom are bound for the fifth round. Um, one program, this is nothing new. <laughs> Liberty's there, it seems like, every year. Um, Plano East, though, this is some uncharted waters for the, for the Lady Panthers. They're um they're in the regional finals for the first time since 1993. What were you guys doing in 1993? If you had to play the way way back game, I was still I was in Massachusetts. I was still in Merrimack, Massachusetts, and um, yeah, it couldn't have been more than I was like, like eight years old. It's been <laughs> goodness. It's been a it's been a hot minute. <laughs> I was a freshman in high school, and yeah. that's when I first bought my first Nirvana T-shirt. Your first Nirvana T-shirt? Okay, yeah. that's right. Because that was yeah, I guess that was a uh, I guess a couple of years after Nevermind came out and yeah. I guess uh, right before uh, In Utero and whatnot. So, yeah, there you go. David going through your, your grunge rock phase. Yep, yep. I'll, <laughs> I'll still have it on my iPod. <laughs> yeah, and, and as the gray in my beard can attest, I was actually a senior in high school that okay. year. And uh, we had a good girl. We, I went to Garland High. We had a good girls team our, ourselves that played Plano East that year. Okay. Because um, I was dating a girl on the, on, the, on the basketball team. That's how I remember that. Uh, <laughs> and so, but, yeah, it's, it's been a hot minute. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, let's um, yeah, let's talk a little Plano East to kick this one off because again, it's uh, you know moments like this don't come along all too often. And you're a Plano East alum. Doesn't I, this make you feel good? It's. I mean, uh, I'm not as as diehard as some other folks in the uh, you know out there and whatnot, but it's. Yeah, um, you, you call anybody out? <laughs> nah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But it is it is still cool because you know like like I said like moments like this you just you look through Plano East their athletics history and you know there is kind of a, a built in underdog mentality within Plano East just with you know when you kind of compare it to just some of the roles that you've seen over the years with the other two Plano schools and Plano West and Plano and whatnot. And I was just looking back over the years just to see just the last time that the other bracket sports qualified for the regional finals. And it's only happened two other times over the past decade. Um, Softball did it in 2012. Boys soccer did it in 2016. 
But, I mean, there are some sports like football. He hadn't done it since the year 2000. Uh, baseball since 2003. Um, you know, then you had a nice little, nice little uh, you know, stretch there where boys basketball and girls soccer did it in 2008. Volleyball did it in 2009. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just moments like this don't come along all too often for Plan Ewes. Like I said, it's been almost 30 years since this happened for the girls basketball team. Um, so don't, you know, for those on the East Side community, don't take this moment for granted what this team is doing because it's, it's some pretty rarefied air that they're operating in right now. And they've, um, I mean, they're rolling right now. You know, 18 wins in a row. They've won nine in a row by double digits. You know, they went through that stretch in the middle of district where they were having to really gut out some close wins against the Louisvilles and the Capels of the district. Uh, but then they've obviously been able to shift gears. Their defense has been just outstanding in the postseason, allowing just 38.6 points per game. Um, and you see the teams that they're, uh, that they're shutting down. I mean, they just took it to a state-ranked Arlington Martin team that was, you know, at least rankings-wise, was, you know, right next to, you know, South Grand Prairie is kind of the, uh, you know, the potential favorites to make it to the regional final. And Plano East just put it on them from the get-go. Um, their defense was outstanding in that one. Then um, against South Lake Carroll on Saturday in the regional semifinals, they actually really got hot from three early on. And that's been the thing, um, you know, when you watch the way that teams start defending Plano East, they're starting to wise up and, you know, throw more bodies down low to try to slow Adaruto, their sophomore post, who can just be an absolute handful, you know, and when she's when she's one-on-one in the paint. Um, you know, so she was getting double teamed a lot early on, but that opened up things beyond the arc for players like Kayla Cooper, Tiana Amos, and they just cashed in from the outside. Kayla Cooper had five threes in the game on Saturday. Tiana had three. Um, and uh, yeah, then in the uh, in the fourth quarter, you know, they were, you know, again, South Lake adjusted, you know, a little bit better to defending the three in the second half, but that opened up some second chance buckets down low for Adar Udo, who, I, this is, I mean, this stat just floored me. She had more offensive rebounds in the fourth quarter than South Lake had defensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. I mean, every shot that went up, it was like, like a vacuum just right to her, and there was just no slowing them down. They never were able to bring the deficit within, um, you know, within nine points, and um, I mean, Plano East defense, they especially over that last quarter, you know, Carroll's got some pretty, some pretty nice talent. They got a sophomore, Cameron Tade, who was hitting some really, really tough shots early on, and, um, you know, they, uh, but they, I mean, East just locked in defensively um, to close that game out. I mean, they were, I mean, Southlake was just having to run through its offense. They were having to cycle through sets just so, it took them so long just to generate something even remotely, you know, looking like a decent shot. And if they, you know, if they didn't get a shot off, then it was either blocked out of bounds or they turn it over. I mean, East defense was, I mean, they were just in, a, they were in the zone there to close that one out. And they, um, they were able to get this one, you know, 56 to 42 to advance to the regional finals. It matches their deepest playoff run ever. Um, so again, just, uh, just more history for this, uh, this Plano East team. And now we're at the juncture of the postseason where if they're going to advance any further, they're going to have to start avenging some of their losses from earlier in the season because um, there's some pretty uh, salty competition left on the docket, including their opponent coming up tomorrow in South Grand Prairie. Um, SGP actually accounts for uh, you know East's worst loss of the season. It was 69 to 53 back on November 10th. I believe it was just East's second game of the year, so you don't really read a ton into it, just given how early in the season it was. But that was hands down the most that anybody has scored against East this season. I mean, not only is that the only time a team has eclipsed 60 points on East, it's the only time only time a team has eclipsed 50 on them. I mean, so it's I mean SGP was was rolling that night, and I mean I, I got to see SGP in person in their regional quarterfinal the Tuesday prior 
against uh, against Plano. And I mean, it's just one of those teams that they've got a they've got a switch that they can flip, and they tend to do so in the second half of these games. And when they get rolling, it is um, it's it's pretty easy to crater under. Allen cratered under it. Plano cratered under it. These are games that were very competitive for three quarters. I mean, Plano actually led that game by double digits at the half, and then they got outscored by like twenty points in the second half. But the SGP's fourth quarter against Allen in the second round, they outscored him twenty-one to seven. Against Plano in the fourth quarter, outscored him twenty-two to eight. So, I mean, this team closes strong. They get better as the game goes on, which is a, a pretty unique trait, um, you know, for uh, for a basketball team. So, it's just, uh, I mean, the emphasis is on if you're Plano East, is you got to lock in all four quarters. You cannot have any any letups, any uh, you know, any malaise because SGP they're going to have that run. They're going to have that run where they're, I mean, their outside shooting gets hot. They knock down, I think it was six threes in the third quarter alone in the regional semifinal against Keller. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll see what's in store in this rematch. It is, uh, I believe, uh, Tuesday, 7 o'clock out at the uh, Wilkerson Grinds Activity Center out in Fort Worth, Plano East and South Grand Prairie. Winner goes to the state semis. Should be a good one. Uh, let's see. Let's uh, nah, let's talk a little bit about Frisco Liberty, man. Let's talk a little bit about Frisco <laughs> Liberty. The Lady Red Hawks back in the fifth round again. Fifth time in six years. I mean... How how many programs can even say that just regardless of classification? I mean, just wow, what a, what rarefied air that program continues to operate on. The seeding doesn't matter. The seeding is it's just a number with them. It, it, it really is. It, you know, you talk about Plano East being. I think they were unranked. They right? were, coming, yeah, coming they, the which playoffs. still blows my mind given that team's record this season. Yeah, but. It, well, so it's so it's Frisco Liberty. Yeah. The defending state champions were unranked, and, and that's only the because they didn't have their best player for large chunks of yes. the first half of the season. Yes, yes, but you know you look at last year when they did win the state title they had 11 losses yeah you know they just uh, they they know when to turn it on yeah. and um you know friday night that's just that's exactly what they did i mean it's just they're so methodical mm-hmm. and, and they're so patient that that was the one thing that really jumps out to me is their patience yeah absolutely um, and, and and you know the, the opening position of the second half they held the ball for 99 seconds they didn't they didn't make the basket at the end mm-hmm. but they passed it around they looked for a good shot. They didn't. They didn't rush anything. But even though they didn't get the basket, it just they, they were up at the at the time by fifteen. Mm-hmm. But it just kind of sent a message to North Forty that hey, look, we're not going to deviate from our game plan. We're going to still run our same patient office, waiting for the best shot. Um, and if it didn't go in, you know what? We just burned ninety seconds off the clock. And um, I mean, they're just. You know, they got three-point shooters. They had four threes from four different people in the first in the first quarter. That mm-hmm. kind of set the tone. Uh, Maya Jane, uh, you know, came into Wong. Uh, Lily Zimkiewicz, you know, and, of course, Jazzy Owens-Barnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all hit three points in the first quarter. Um, and, and that just – that spreads the floor. And when you spread the floor against Liberty and they're patient, eventually Jazzy Owens-Barnett is going to get to the hoop, which yeah. you can either convert – and, and score on their own or dish it to a teammate for an easy basket. And their defense is, is stellar. You know, they held a very good North Forney team at 30 points. Uh, you know, they're just tough come playoff time. <laughs> they, you know, they're, they're, they, you know, we talk about sometimes there's there's good regular season teams and good playoff teams. And, and, and Liberty has proven for the last three years, especially last year, obviously winning the state championship. Um they are just a very good playoff team. Uh, they just have that formula, that defensive mindset, uh, the patience on offense, the, the, the willingness to work for a good uh, open shot. Uh, you know, the Wally East is a beast. Mm-hmm. That, that Wally East is a very good team. But, I mean, how are you going to bet against Liberty right now? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, defensively, I got it down. Defensively, twenty-seven points per game allowed in the playoffs. I mean, that's just. I mean, what do you say about that? That's just that's insane. And, and, and their ability to win close games. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Friday was an anomaly mm-hmm. because Friday was actually they were able to rest easy. It was a nineteen-point win. But you know, going back to last year's, you know, three overtimes, overtime. You know, I think the, I believe the final in the, in the championship game was thirty-seven to twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's they're all low-scoring close games, but Liberty finds a way to win, and they had the confidence. Confidence that they can win those types of games. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's going to be tough to, to – to, I mean, you know, Wiley East is, is a great team. Yeah. But So it's going to be real interesting to see what happens, uh, to, I guess, tomorrow night in McKinney. Uh, but, you know, it, again, Liberty knows how to win, and it's going to be up to Wiley East to, to topple the Giants, so to speak. They, uh, they kind of bounce between close game – Lopsided game, close game, lopsided game. Because I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, you look through their scores. I mean, they were perilously close to going one and done. <laughs> Liberty, that is. I mean, McKinney North gave them one hell of a game, um, and then um, you know, then they have their way with Newman Smith, and then it looks like Memorial put up a very spirited effort there in the third round, and then they have their way with North Forney. So, I guess by those by that trend, this uh, this game against Wiley East is probably going to be pretty uh, pretty hotly contested, and it'll certainly be one of the bigger tests for their interior defense because when you think of Wiley East, Akasha Davis, yeah. who's one of the top post players in the uh, in the area, comes to mind. And it's, I mean, it's not just limiting that first shot; it's limiting the second and third. I mean, the time I saw I mean, when I saw them play McKinney North, um, you know, not too long ago, she had a twenty twenty game. You just don't see that often that they at yeah. the high school level. But that's the sort of force she brings in the paint, and it's a lot of those were offensive rebounds that she got on second chance buckets. Yeah, yeah. And North Point, Kyra Samuels is a, is a very dominant inside presence yeah. as well, and. She she had a little spurt there in the third quarter where it seemed like she was grabbing every loose ball, every rebound in there. Uh, but, you know, I mean, Liberty just basically they don't have quite the size mm-hmm. to, to, to put, you know, one player on, on Kyra Samuels or a player like there, Akasha Davis. Um, but they just do it by committee, and they were able to, to basically phase her out and, and take over down the stretch and pull away. So, yes, Frisco Liberty, we'll see if they can uh, keep this train rolling on Tuesday against Wiley East. Uh, ditto for uh, for Plano East, the uh, our last two teams standing in the UIL <laughs> basketball playoffs. we still got some teams over in Taps as Taps gets its postseason yeah. rolling and whatnot. So um, we'll obviously, uh, you know, be apprised on that as that postseason further materializes. Um, but whereas, you know, we have two teams left, that obviously means we got a whole lot of teams uh, say goodbye to their uh, to their respective seasons over the uh, over the past week as we somehow squeezed in three rounds of the playoffs <laughs> in both the boys and girls. We haven't had any, at least not that I've seen in our coverage area. No games have fallen by the wayside due to COVID or anything like that. It's not like football where you had some stuff around the state that got you know you had teams have to forfeit and whatnot. But it seems like we've gone off relatively you know without any any bumps and bruises as far as the uh, the postseason goes. So let's um, let's talk about a few of the teams though that did um, that did unfortunately close the book on their seasons over the past week. Some teams, though, that did put up spirited fights in the uh, in the postseason. Um, David, I'll give you a chance to chime in. Um, you know, you had a um, obviously uh, we can talk about the uh, you know your team that advanced the furthest in your uh, in your coverage sphere of Lake City's Capella and the Colony. Um, you know, Lake Dallas girls they certainly uh, went out on their shield. You know, put up a really spirited effort against one of the best teams in 5A in Wichita Falls Riders. So, um, just um, what are your reflections on that game and just some uh, some final takeaways from the season that the Lady Falcons had over in Lake Dallas? Um, um, just final thoughts about that game. Heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they they lost by one point. Um, they were up in that game from 
midway through the first quarter until the final minute of the fourth quarter. Really? One of those. Wow. Yeah, it was one of those where, you know, like their first half, they were figuring out, you know, the zone defense of uh, of Ryder really well. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a Ryder team that's ranked number three in the state. Yeah. And so, like, against their zone defense, like, they're moving the ball, they're making the right passes, and and then Mackenzie Buss, you know, who she was doing her thing, you know, just – you know, an incredible comeback story with all the injuries that she went through last year. Mm-hmm. To, so, I mean, she was making runner, one-handed runners in the lane right there. She was making three-pointers. You know, she was assisting on passes, on, you know, diagonal passes right there. She was doing everything. Mm-hmm. Like, she had 15 points in the first half. Um, and it, it's a team that got up by 13 points in the in the second quarter. Wow. Yeah, so they kind of had Ryder on their heels for a while. So, And I had newspaper Steve sitting next to me. Mm-hmm. He goes, like, you know, like, you know, I, I, you know, this is, a, you know, it seems like Lake Dallas has gotten their heels. I'm like, yep, yep, they do. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's a, they're up by 13 points and they kept bleeding. You know, they, you know, Wichita Falls made its, Ryder made its runs. Um, you know, Lake Dallas made a couple of shots whenever they needed to to kind of extend that lead just a little bit. And then by the time the fourth quarter came around, um, Lake, you know, Lake Dallas's, you know, guards are being pressured a little bit towards half court right there. They're putting, you know, some, you know, some a, a few defenders like, you know, on their guards right there to kind of make it tougher to mm-hmm. go towards the basket. And then they're also kind of, you know, getting it on the board. So, um, you know, they just kept chipping and chipping away. And then after holding the lead for, you know, Gosh knows how many minutes in that game. Um, uh, well, Ryder makes like you know like a baseline long like three pointer, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they go up by one point. Lake Dallas has this chance to actually win it at the end right there. Um, they Ali Buchanan inbounds a ball to George Elliott, and um, you know like you know it's one of their best three-point shooters out there. You can't ask for anything more. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, she puts up a really good shot. And unfortunately, it just rooms out just barely. So, I mean, just heartbreaking loss for Dallas, but Lake Dallas. But, I mean, you know, the loss aside, heck of a season for these girls, Absolutely. Man. I mean, district champions, undefeated district champions. They beat Grapevine twice this year. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the, the comeback story with Mackenzie Buss after the, the ankle injuries that she went through to miss all of her sophomore season. Um and just the growth of this team right here, even after it lost like a couple of significant seniors from the team last year mm-hmm. right there, and Dory Norris and Josephine Elliott right there, to just pick up where it left off last year, that's a, that's a, that's a huge thing. And and going into next year, I mean, this is a team that that's still going to be you know right up there. They're still going to uh, they should still go at least this far next year. Um, because they have like their top seven players coming back next year. Wow! So the entire starting five, and then wow, that's yeah, that's impressive. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, watch out again for late Dallas next year. The um, let's see on the boys' side, like I said, we had one team that made it to the uh, to the regional quarterfinal round, and um, and they put up a spirited effort on uh, on Saturday. That being Newman Smith, um, which. Again, you think of, I mean, you talk about, you know, Lake Dallas being able to stay at the tide after losing some really key seniors. It's impressive that Newman Smith was able to basically replicate the finish of last year's team. Despite, I mean, last year's team record-wise, that's the best team Newman Smith has ever had. I mean, they went undefeated in the regular season, as rare a feat as that is. 
Um, and they lost in the regional quarterfinals to uh, to Dallas Kimball. Um, so with all the production that that team lost, um, just all that experience and a lot of guys that had played together for three to four years to then take this group that was a bit lower on the experience and whatnot and to still be able to uh, match that third-round finish. Um, a pretty strong year for, uh, for Newman Smith. And, uh, you know, the Trojans, they, uh, they fell in the third round to the number one ranked team in 5A, Lancaster. And the final score, 69 to 48, you know, looks kind of like a blowout, but it's a little bit deceptive. This was a seven-point game early in the fourth quarter. Uh, Newman Smith was able to pull within, I believe the score was 49 to 42 after a, a three-pointer by Ivory Thomas early into the fourth quarter. And, I mean, they had chances to cut it even closer than that. They got multiple defensive stops, and they kept that seven-point seven margin intact for, felt like, a couple minutes, but they just could not get that. I mean, they got some open threes there on the other end, but they just could not get that one shot to fall that maybe starts to maybe tense up Lancaster a little bit and really kind of put him in a, you know, put him in a, in a bit of a pressure cooker there. And, you know, talking with head coach Percy Johnson afterwards, it was just kind of the collective wear and tear that he felt like kind of got to his kids. Just his shooters just didn't have the legs there in the fourth quarter. And that's, you know, that's the thing with Lancaster is they just, I mean, just the waves of talent that they throw at you. I mean, they're a deep team. They're a big team. And eventually it just kind of, eventually Newman Smith just, uh, just ran out of gas, but still a really, really spirited effort by the, uh, you know, by the Trojans, um, you know, Lancaster again, they, they got rolling there about, you know, about five and a half to six minutes left in the fourth quarter, closed the game on a 19 to five run. They're big men off the bench. Uh, Kristen Morgan, I mean, just overwhelmed uh, Newman Smith inside and they, um, yeah. And it just kind of forced them. It kind of bent their defense in a way that kind of compromised them on the weak side. And, uh, you know, Lancaster really, uh, really made them pay and just, I mean, they look like the top ranked team in the state and that depth and defense is just, I mean, there, I mean, there's a reason why they're as, as good as they are and they're going to be a problem for everybody else in class five, a going forward. Um, but again, still, uh, you know, still a, a commendable effort by Newman Smith. The, uh, the 69 points scored, even though most of them, you know, felt like came in, uh, in, in, you know, kind of there over the last uh, half of the fourth quarter, that's actually Lancaster's lowest scoring output since December 30th. So, I mean, an impressive effort by uh, Newman Smith in that respect, considering that again, Lancaster only had, you know, 49 points there, you know, for the, you know, with about five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, players like Ivory Thomas, Thibaut Tagnon, who was, I mean, he was our, uh, I believe our all area sixth man of the year last season for the, uh, for the undefeated team. Uh, Devin Peters Teague, he was a role player last year that really took a step up this season. They kind of took the reins to lead this team back to the third round. Um, it's just the program's second regional quarterfinal appearance since 2006. Um, so, and again, the other time was last year. So, you know, it's a, again, like a, an impressive year for Newman Smith, um, but ultimately, yeah, they, they fall at the hands of the, uh, of the top ranked team in class five, a, um, you know, Devin, you had some of your schools going up against some pretty, uh, some pretty legit powerhouses in their own rights. Um, talk about Saxy, um, be it boys or girls. Cause they obviously <laughs> had two uh, very spirited showings. Well, you know, and, and, and I'll, I'll kind of group horn in with this as yeah. well, because I, I got to see horn play Duncanville, mm-hmm. uh, who's, you know, obviously at the top of the state rankings and, and Duncanville is just so, just so frenetic. I mean, they're just all over the place. They press from, from the, with the word go, and, and they just—it's relentless. And, and I mean, it's just, and, and on offense, they, they they take five seconds and they put up a shot, mm-hmm. and it's just go 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 go. There's a reason that they you know they hit the hundred point mark sometimes. Um, conversely, I saw Desoto play Saxy a couple nights later, and Desoto is not the same team as Duncanville. They are patient. Their, their half-court defense is incredible, but they don't press. They don't do a full-court press. They don't just push the ball up. They're, they're patient on offense. They're patient on defense, but their defense is so aggressive. Um, 
really impressed with both teams, but I can see why DeSoto beat them the regular season mm-hmm. because Duncanville basically wills you into their pace. And, and Horn, despite Jasmine Shavers, one of the best players in the state, uh, she, she scored 30 points. She did her part. But, you know, she would have had to score 60 to keep up with Duncanville just because Duncanville just has that much talent on mm-hmm. their squad. Yeah. Um, you know, DeSoto, you know, Saxe was willing to play with him. And then Saxe hung tough for two and a half quarters. Uh, you know, but just DeSoto was so deep uh, that it was just, you know, they, they – it wasn't Saxe's time. I mentioned not their time because Saxe's starting lineup has three freshmen and a sophomore. <laughs> and um, I kind of alluded to it in my story. You know, Chrislyn Rose, as a sophomore, really stepped into a starring role this year. Um, three freshmen, Nina George, Lennon Oliphant, and Michael Cooper. You know, they'll learn from this. And so two years from now, we might be talking about Saxe in that role uh, of, of DeSoto because Saxe is not one of those teams that, that pushes it up down the court. They're, they're a very good defensive team. Uh, they play within their system. Uh, they got a great coach in Don McCullough. They've been to a state tournament before. That program has not this group. Um, but I, th- I think playing that DeSoto team uh, uh, last week was a good experience, a good learning experience. And I think this team will grow from there. And I'm really curious to see what Saxe, the Saxe girls do, uh, you know, from this point forward. Uh, to kind of flip over to the boys' side uh, that you brought up. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many people gave Saxe a chance against Duncanville. Um, not many people give many people a chance against Duncanville uh, the way that that, that, uh, that team just races up and down the court. But a lot of – a lot of eye, eyebrows kind of shot up, you know, when uh, at halftime last week when Saxe was up 27-24 uh, at, the, at the break. Uh, they were able to slow Duncanville down. Mm-hmm. They were able to – Dylan McKean had a huge – I think he scored 16 of their 27 points in the first half. Um, Saxe was able to make Duncanville play their game, and they gave him all they wanted. Duncanville ultimately prevailed, but it was 61-51. It wasn't like once Duncanville got going that they just ran him out of the gym. Saxe still stunk, you know, hung tough to the very end. Uh, you know, and that's just a credit that a Saxe program that's, that's been growing over the years, uh, that, that's it now kind of now established itself as a playoff, perennial playoff team, and not just a, a one-done team, a team that can advance, you know, two rounds deep, which they've done the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and then obviously can compete with the very best. They weren't able to win that night, but you know, that time's probably coming. Yeah, because it wasn't last year. Didn't they upset Prosper, who might have been state-ranked at the time in yeah. the first round? Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, it just speaks to the job that uh, Zach Michael's still the head yeah. coach there. And, yeah, yeah, just the job that he's done turning that program around. Because it was, like, for the longest time, we're like, wait a minute, why, is, why isn't sexy boys basketball just on par with the rest of the school? And now it feels like we're uh, we're finally getting to that point. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, we can talk about what I guess was at least um, – I guess, with all due respect to the rest of the state, maybe the biggest upset that we've had so far in the boys' basketball playoffs, at least at the 6A level, um, McKinney had a uh, <laughs> – this was a program that I – this one shocked me. I was – you know, I figured it would be a good game, but I, uh, you know, I, I thought that this was a McKinney team that was going to be hanging around for a bit. And, uh, man, District 7-6A put it on 5-6A and 6-6A last week um, before we get to the McKinney game. So you had um, Richardson, who's number three in the state. This one's not a shocker. But Richardson, I mean, they handled uh, Marcus in the second round and whatnot. That was a, I think, a 20-plus 20 uh, plus final score. But then you had, uh, you know, McKinney. And he falls at um, falls to Jesuit, and then David, you saw Capel, who we can get to in a little bit. Um, they lost to Lake Highlands. So District Seven Six A in I think what essentially one or two nights they knocked off three state ranked district champions. 
um, between those uh, between 5-6A and 6-6A. So certainly staking its claim as one of the better districts, if not the best district in the uh, in the Metroplex on the uh, on the boys' side. But yeah, it was um it was quite the uh, it was quite the ball game um, against uh, between McKinney and Jesuit. Like I said the final score of this one 64 to 60 in favor of Jesuit. And I mean it, you know Jesuit their their play style it reminds me of the kind of team that you see that maybe that that will spring an upset in the NCAA tournament. There it's a team that they might not have the the glossy win loss record like a McKinney which had only lost two games all season. They might not have the physical profile. I mean because McKinney I mean you look at just the the caliber of athletes on that McKinney lineup versus uh, Jesuit and it's I mean it looks like a bit of a mismatch in some respects. But I mean Jesuit they're such a high IQ team. They I mean all five of those guys are so connected on the floor. They move the ball well. They've got I mean every feels like everybody out there can handle the ball in some capacity and they can all shoot pretty much. I mean, it's Jesuits usually got, I mean, four to five guys on the court at all times that can let it fire from three. And when you run into a team like that on the wrong night, when they're really feeling it from the outside, then that's just the, that's the recipe for an upset. And you also have the intangible of McKinney having been in the same district as Jesuit these last two years. So Jesuit already has a bit of an idea as to how to handle this, uh, this specific McKinney team, which has a lot of guys that have been playing together for the last couple seasons. And, um, you know, but you know that being said, I mean, I mean, listen. The uh, the elements of a close game were there early on because again, Jesuit did come out with a bit of a haymaker. They led after the first quarter. I believe it was nineteen to fifteen, and um, and they got really, really hot from three. Uh, Gavin Perryman, Cal Lynn, um, and it was. I mean, when you with the atmosphere and that that awesome Jesuit student section. I mean, that's you know when you have a team that can shoot like that, like those threes, just they they hit deeper because you have the crowd there that's going to just erupt after one of those, and it's. You know, those are just those are big momentum buckets that I think really help can help swing the tide of a game, um, and that's in that particular type of atmosphere. And you know, Jesuit they stayed there all the way. You know, McKinney got a little bit of separation there in the in the fourth quarter. This was a seven point game with about four and a half minutes left. And you know, McKinney starts slowing the tempo down and whatnot, but they it just kind of I mean, McKinney's offense, which I mean has been outstanding all season. They averaged I mean over seventy points per game. They didn't score over the last four and a half minutes of the ball game. Again, they slowed the team. I mean, they slowed the game down, but they had a really, really tough time generating quality shots off of that. Some of that was Jesuits' defense. They did not let McKinney just sit back. This is where I mean, you see some teams whenever you try to slow the game, slow the game down, defense will just kind of sit back and let you run the clock. And Jesuit was not about that. They got right up into into McKinney's backcourt and they started pressing them. They got a couple turnovers and then um, the uh, you know the. All uh, all hell broke loose over the last couple minutes when Cal Lynn, who can't be more than what five six five seven, short little kid, but my goodness, has he got a nice outside shot? And he just you can't give him an inch of space, and they let him get loose just one too many times, and he hit a couple threes inside the final two minutes, including one with forty five seconds left that gave Jesuit a one point lead. And the Kinney, they try to race back down, they miss a layup, and eventually, then you get a uh, the ball goes out of bounds, and it's um it's Jesuit ball. So McKinney then goes up to its press, and this is where I say the ball movement, man. I mean, the job the Jesuit did breaking that press, it was effortless. I mean, the ball, like a ping pong ball, just from one end of the court to the other, and then they get a wide open layup for Cal Lynn on the other end to make it a three-point game. And, I mean, again, they're just they're such a smart team. And, um, and yeah, McKinney, I mean, as, as impressive as this year has been for McKinney, certainly a sense of, uh, you, know, you feel like a little bit of meat was left on the bone because this was a team that, I mean, head coach Wes, uh, Wes Watson said it afterwards, this is the best team he's ever had. And this was a team that they, they had legit 
legit aspirations of getting to you know the regional tournament, the regional finals, maybe playing a you know a, a Richardson or a or uh, you know and who and, and whatnot. But um, but yeah, it just uh, it just didn't materialize for McKinney. And you know, on the one hand, like it's still a team that you know they're gonna like kind of like like Dallas, David. They're gonna have the entire starting five back next year. So Jacoby Campbell, Jacoby Walter, who had twenty two points in that game, Alex Anamekwe had seventeen. He'll be back. Thatcher McClure, uh, Devin Vincent. He'll um, I mean the, the entire starting five is gonna be back next season. So they're going to again be formidable. But they do lose some pretty key seniors off of the uh, the bench, and that's kind of the one element that I think you know. Kind of tied this thing together is you have that collective experience in your starting lineup, but you had some really, really good bench guys that could have started for other teams in the district, you know, like Sean Fry, Jackson Steele, um, you know, it's a JJ Shepard. I mean, it's, I mean, it was a team that had the, uh, all the hallmarks of a team that, you know, could have made a pretty serious run, but, and you see, I mean, you saw Jesuit, they knocked off Lake Highlands in the third rounds of Jesuits. Now they're bound for the regional tournament. So they have not let this upset win go to waste. Um, but yeah, that's just uh, that's the way it bounces sometimes. So some really good teams in the Dallas area. And yeah, you you run into a hot shooting team like Jesuit on the wrong night, and it can uh, it can spell disaster. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, David, I mentioned uh, you know that seven six eight took it to a couple teams, McKinney, and um, and then Marcus. You saw Lake Highlands, you know, uh, send Capel packing probably a bit earlier than the Cowboys had uh, had envisioned. So, um, and that, Grant, I guess that was a rematch from earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah, the two teams played December fourth, mm-hmm. but it was a much different score than on uh, Friday. Yeah. Was it Thursday or Friday? I don't know, man. There were so many games last week that they're all they're all kind of running together. I believe that was Thursday, though. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was uh, the first time that they played them. It was December fourth. Lake Highlands won that game at Capel, seventy-nine to seventy-three. Okay. This time around on Thursday, much lower scoring game, fifty-three to fifty. So I mean, and that's playoff basketball. Yeah, that's playoff you. basketball. You know, like things are gonna you know be that much more airtight right there. You mm-hmm. know, like every single little play is gonna count. Yeah. Um, uh, this time around, like you know, it was almost a heck of a comeback by Capel. Mm-hmm. They were down by 13 points with five minutes left, and because like you know, it was it's a really close game back and forth throughout the first three quarters. Um, Mike Collins got up 19 to 15 after the first quarter, um, and they were just like you know attacking you know Capel's defense, going to the rim, making three pointers you name it they were doing it and then Capel like you know they got the game tied at halftime um they were much more aggressive on the boards you know in the second quarter especially you know especially with Anthony Black he was pulling down like gosh knows how many rebounds Ron Agarwal was there too Mm -hmm. uh Tim O'Hearn I mean one of their seniors um like he's like he was he's 6'3 and he's going against like guys who are like 6'5 and 6'8 right there and like he was battling as hard as he could with the rebounds and block shots so I mean and they only allowed eight points in the second quarter so it was a 27 all halftime tie right there mm-hmm. so they get down to the end of the third quarter it's still one possession game and then Lake Collins goes on this big run to start this, the fourth quarter out there and it looks like oh man Lake Dow you know what you know Capel's got to find some answer or otherwise the season's going to be ending here in the second round mm-hmm. um, and like Lake Collins you you know, they had like two alley-oop dunks right in a row right there. Um, like they were, you know, limiting Capel to like, you know, like any sh- shot opportunities. And like for most of the game, Lake Collins was just, you know, like they have so many tall players. They got five guys for at least six foot five. So, I mean, and Capel's like, you know, not like it's a, they don't have that height right there. No. So, that, so they were kind of like, you know, at a disadvantage right there from the get-go. So, um, like, you know, and – like it, it kind of wore down, you know, Capel, like, you know, starting in the fourth quarter. But I mean, give them credit for, you know, battling back. You know, they, they kind of went to like a press, you know, mm-hmm. like with five minutes left. And 
from 13 points down to three points down. Yeah. And they had a shot there at the end. Um, Lake Dallas, uh, or Lake Highlands, uh, they made a layup with uh, 10 seconds left. And, like, the clock's still running, uh, you know. But Capel, like, you know, they they just, you know, they don't call a timeout. You know, I think they would just want to go with the flow right there, you know, just to make sure Lake Highlands isn't able to get their defense set. So they come in, you know, they dribble the ball down there, get a great look to Ryan Agarwal, you know, their best three-point shooter on their team. You know, had a great opportunity, just unfortunately fell in and out. And then Black, you know, he goes up to get the rebound, and then he tries to kick it back out to Agarwal. Unfortunately, before Agarwal can take the shot, the clock expired. So just heartbreaking loss, but, you know, just a heck of a – you know, a comeback by Capel, which shows like how hard they want to fight. It doesn't matter, you know, if they're shorter or taller against the other teams right there. Um, and this is a, you know, Capel team that, you know, they've been through like so much this year and they've shown fight every single time. Like they've had like at least two or three COVID shutdowns this year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, remember right there at the end of the regular season, they had to play, they had to play three games in two, two days right there. Um, to close out the regular season. It was essentially three in less than 24 hours, though, I think, because there was one Friday night, yeah. and then there was one Saturday morning, and then another Saturday evening. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah. So, I mean, and, you know, for them to go through all that adversity and to, like, you know, have to get, like, you know, some different players to kind of step up his leadership, because they lost some really good leaders last year with, with Adam Musa and a couple other guys as well, mm-hmm. too. Brandon Taylor, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and this is a team that, you know, they picked up where they left off. Um, they got uh, – they want, they shared the district championship with Marcus. Mm-hmm. And, um, obviously, Anthony Black and Ron Agarwal were, like, you know, two, the, like the two big players coming back this year. And um, two, they had some other guys step up this row, too, to kind of, you know, help the, help the burden right there. Um, Nazir Brown, who was at LD Bell last Last year, he comes in and like you know he's Mr. Fourth Quarter out there. He's going for layups. You know he's getting a lot of and ones right there. Mm-hmm. Um, Devon Crane, who also plays with them, not only in high school but on their club team right there. Like you know he's you know he's making big three pointers and defending you know some of their best best guards right there. So and all those guys return next year. So I mean that's that's the thing that's going to help you know you know, get Capel, you know, back toward this position right there um, next year. Uh, the only thing they kind of have to work on is their depth just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, their top starting lineup is going to be really good. But if they can develop, like, you know, a really good bench right there, this is a team that can go pretty far in the playoffs next year. Uh, let's see, Devin, let's then pivot back to you then for, I guess, um, some thoughts on the Sunnyvale girls who, um, you know, obviously ended the postseason with some big <laughs> aspirations. But um, was it the third round was the uh, spelled the uh, the end of their run? It was, you know, and it was a, uh, you know, you can't control who you get matched up with. You know, Sunnyville entered the playoffs as ranked as the number four team in the state. Uh, they dropped Brownsboro in the uh, third round, who's number seven. So, um, you know, rankings are subjective. But yeah. uh, at the same time, if you're ranked that high, that means you're a pretty good team, regardless of where exactly you fall into that stuff. Uh, both teams came in with 25-1 records. Uh, and it was a good game. I mean, they uh, – Sunnyvale uh, got off a good start and then all of a sudden found themselves down by 16 at halftime. <laughs> and um, it's like, oh, wow, what happened here? Uh, I mean, it's just one of those things. Uh, you know, Brownsboro got hot and, and, and Sunnyvale uh, was able to respond, though. They reeled off the first 15 points of the second half to make it a game and it went back and forth throughout the, uh, throughout the second half. Uh, Brownsboro was able to pull out um, a 68 60 victory. You know, uh, no shame in that. I mean, there, there was uh, two very good teams that's probably a game more worthy, worthy of a regional final than a regional uh, 
you know, quarterfinal. Uh, but, you know, Sunnyville will be back. Uh, Micah Russell scored 26 points in that game. Uh, she's just a sophomore. Uh, Brindley Andrews had 23. Uh, she's a junior. I believe that Cleo Stallings had 20 rebounds in that game. I think in one report I read, she's just a junior. So Sunnyville will be back, and they'll be low. You know, Sunnyville has been a playoff team every season since they became a varsity program in 2011. Um Obviously, won a state championship in, in 2015, uh, have been contenders since, and they'll be contenders again next year. Close this out then with a look at one other team on the girls' side that went three rounds deep. That's also not too far removed from a state championship, that being Plano. Um, you know, Plano, as I mentioned earlier, um, their run came to an end in the regional quarterfinals, a 60-51 to 51 loss to South Grand Prairie, who plays Plano East tomorrow night. Um, you know, but again, I mean, this has just been uh, just towing the line at Plano. This is the eighth time in nine years that they've advanced at least three rounds deep in the playoffs. Um, that is no small feat. Um, and, uh, you know, this was a game where, like I said, Plano had its moments early on. You know, they were able to build a double-digit lead. This was a game that uh, I've, I don't think I've been involved in a game quite like this that had late in the first quarter the fire alarm goes off. And there's about – and there was nothing no, – no danger, nothing like that. Um, there was just a uh, – just a, a, little, a little malfunction and whatnot, but um, yeah, it was like a 10-minute stoppage in play. You know, both teams are just kind of you know sitting around twiddling their thumbs, and then um, then they get things uh, resumed right back. And um, you know, you're worried because it looked like Plano had started to you know kind of piece together a little something early on. So you wonder, okay, is that going to you know stall their momentum or whatnot? And no, they just they just kept on rolling, and a lot of it was um, it centered on the three ball. Um, you know, uh, Amaya Brandon, Celise Blow. Um, you know, they got really hot from three early on. Josie Bruder came off the bench, knocked down a couple threes just before the half and um just like that they got the number four team in the state down 32 to 21 at the <laughs> at halftime and um you know kind of uncharted waters for south grand prairie who is you know is used to scoring games up in the up in the 60s the 70s and the 80s and whatnot um you know sgp obviously found its footing you know they outscored plano 39 to 19 in the second half and as i mentioned they really really turned it up there in the fourth quarter um i mean when they just get into a role with the pressure that they apply on defense and they've got a lot of capable three-point shooters um, one thing in the first half I noticed on SGP's end, they, I mean, they obviously they struggled to score the ball, you know, uh, you know, 21 points, but a lot of that was just missing a lot of stuff around the rim. They just kept on driving kind of right into the teeth of the Plano defense and just had a tough time just generating anything clean at the rim. Well, they did a much better job kind of isolating those matchups down low um, and kind of spacing the floor out, out um, elsewhere, and they got a lot of their players just one-on-one -on -one chances in the paint versus driving, you know, one-on-three or whatnot, and they were able to finish those one-on-one -on -one chances way more often in the uh, in the second half and that helped kind of steady the tide there in the third quarter and then in the fourth SGP just put it in full drive and uh, they just pulled away and said 22 to 8 there in the uh, in the fourth quarter um, you know but again you know Plano's end it's still a you know kind of like Capel it's a team that dealt with a lot of adversity related to, to COVID early in the year it made it really really tough for them to find a whole lot of game-to-game -game consistency and that contributed to some uh, some losses to Hebron and Flower Mound because you had players that were just in and out of the rotation and then it wasn't really until the second half when they got their entire their entire core on the court together for several games at a time and you know obviously it started to look a bit more like the Plano team that folks envisioned at the start of the year and I mean yeah if you're you know you're looking at expectations heading into the postseason yeah I mean a, a loss to the number four team in the state you know a team that's only lost two games all year in South Grand Prairie you know you put up a spirited fight there I'd say that's about meeting you know a realistic ceiling for what this Plano team was you know capable of doing in the postseason and, um, you know, looking ahead to next year, they've, um, you know, they've got some nice pieces in the backcourt coming back with um, Celise Blow, who's just a sophomore, um, Sine Murphy Showers, um, that uh, point guard, 
And, you know, they've obviously got some key pieces, though, to replace on the front court with Michaela Eddins, Amaya Brannon, Avery Foltz, players that had started for, uh, you know, two, three, four years and whatnot. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's pretty, uh, some pretty nice talent that they're losing up front. But, um, again, it's a program that has shown, obviously, that they're capable of withstanding, you know, key graduations, having, uh, you know, again, eight time, eight time in nine years that they've been at least three rounds deep in the playoffs. So um, still a, a solid season, you know, um, you know for, uh, for Plano, for the Lady Wildcats and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, we'll, um, we'll see what happens uh, tomorrow night. It's like I said, uh, our last two teams standing in the UIL playoffs, at least. The Plano East and Frisco Liberty Girls. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can follow us along on uh, at StarLocalMedia.com on Twitter. You know, Devin will be at that game tomorrow night over at McKinney High for uh, between Liberty and Wiley East. He's at Devin Hassan. I'm at M. Welch SLM. You can follow us along on Twitter for updates from those games. And, um, yeah, we'll see what, uh, what shakes out as we're uh, down to, I guess, what, the final eight in, the, uh, in Class 6A. And 5A. Um, so, yes, that will, uh, that will do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. We'll be back next week, probably to a, I don't know, maybe we'll be tying a bow on the uh, on basketball <laughs> season. Maybe. Maybe we'll be talking about a couple teams going for, uh, playing for some state championships. Who knows? We'll see what happens this week. Um, until then, folks, you take care. We will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.